Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello listeners, today I have a very unique episode for you. I saw a post not too long ago on a cold case Facebook page which intrigued me. Angie has been searching for her mother, Connie Johnson, for decades. Angie has quite the story. She was given up for adoption at a young age, and only recently, after years of exhaustive genealogical research, has pieced together that her mother actually might be a missing person. Angie has spent years doing ancestral research, tracking down her biological family, and piecing together what she knows about her mother. She's done a tremendous job on her own, and she's managed to locate many of her family members, including her dad and her brother, but has yet to find out what happened to her mom. Little is known about Angie's mother, Connie Johnson's, disappearance. Connie likely went missing from Chicago or Boston in either 1979 or 1980. I will post a photo on my social, one of the last known photos of Connie, where she is with a man. Some think he may have something to do with her disappearance. Angie is looking for help in her tenacious search. She understands it's unlikely her mother is still alive, but she really wants to know what happened to her. If you're an amateur sleuth and possess some advanced genealogical research skills, reach out to Angie or me. I've linked her Facebook profile with her permission in the episode details. Here's my interview with Angie. Yeah, so why don't you tell me about it? Like, how were you, how were you raised? It sounds like you had maybe a couple sets of parents. Well, let's see. I was raised on Long Island in New York. And I was, my foster parents took over basically from when I was three years old. So up until I was three, I must have been on and off with my birth mother. And we'll call her Connie. It's just easier that way. And I'll just say my parents, those are the ones that raised me. So it's confusing. I could do the adoptive parent and all that, but too many words, I think, 
So I was always aware of my mother to a degree, but since I was so young, I really don't have any recollection. I had never seen a picture of her, uh, only had her described to me. And I should tell you that the people who raised me, they were significantly older. Well, you know, they could have been old enough to be my grandparents. They were almost 50 and I was three. And I have a younger sister also who was adopted with me. Uh, we're biological sisters, 100%. And um, there's nobody else that's 100% except for the two of us. And they adopted us together. And uh, we, we, I think we were more than they could handle. They were older. Uh, so we didn't, it wasn't the easiest thing growing up. Back then also, you didn't hear a lot about foster kids. I think we were the only ones in our whole school, you know, that the word adoption came up. And somewhere along the line, I remember one other kid. So it wasn't, it was kind of rare, really. You know, it was at a million years ago, but it was the 70s. So, you know, that might seem like a million years to some people. Uh, it wasn't as popular. So we we had we struggled to fit in. Um, there were also people within and outside of the family that, you know, treated us as outsiders. So, it's you know, we were always struggling to find our place in the family. And it's tough. And I think that goes probably for a lot of adopted people. Not everyone falls into the family that's perfect for them and, you know, so there were struggles growing up for sure. Them being older, them having three kids before we got there, you know, and the age difference between us, 20 years between the brothers. So I was raised with three other children in the house. They had two sons and a daughter already. And then the two of us came in, so there were five in there. That's that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, my parents who raised me never kept a secret that we were adopted. They talked openly about it. Um, I wouldn't say that the comments about my birth mother, about Connie, were positive, but, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't the worst. Just, you know, that so she couldn't take care of you. And I think back then people judged a lot more too, rather than realizing all the facts. And since I didn't know anything, I really couldn't put any input into it. I just knew that I always wanted to find her and see what happened to her. Uh, according to letters that I had received uh, from the place my sister and I stayed in, in New York City, it's in the Bronx. I don't think it exists anymore, but uh, I had asked for letters as soon as I was 18. So this is something that was always on my mind. And at that point, being legal, I wrote to the places, I sent letters, and uh, they sent me back information. So I got a few letters. That's where I first heard about my mother's name and my father's name, my birth parents. Um where they were born, uh, they gave me the, the year they were born. So I got, they called it non-identifying information. And I read through that and then I wrote to another place. I had apparently been in and out of a hospital called New York Foundling. Uh, and I believe this to be when my sister was born. My sister and I um, are only 11 months apart. So I was born in January of 66 and my sister was born Christmas day, same year. So she had that, which was tough for her. And we later found out that there was a brother born before us in 1964, a different father. And that's, that's another story. Um, so I always was aware of certain things, but she disappeared. And I believe by the time I was 10, my family, uh, they legally adopted us both. And according to the agency that I had gotten my information from, they stopped hearing from my birth mother, Connie, uh, in around 1972. So I heard nothing. I knew nothing. 
Um, I put things on rest for a while, and I spent probably the next 10 years after that at least on and off looking. You know, I remember when I'd go on a vacation, first thing I would do was, was get out a phone book and look for the last name of my birth father. I knew his name. Uh, hers is more common. Uh, his is not. Um, and I believe the Connie Johnson came from her stepfather. She just took his name, as far as I know. And I should also tell you that most of the information I've pieced together, uh, majority of it has been in the last couple of years. For that, it was just rumor and stuff like that and things I might have been able to figure out myself based on the letters that the, that the, the place had sent to me. Yeah, I wanted to ask about those letters. Are you able to say, like, because that sounds like the start of this journey for you. How old were you and, and how did you obtain those letters? Uh, well, I knew there was a place called Angel Guardian Home. It was in New York City, Brooklyn, I believe. No longer exists, but we were there. So I'm assuming it was uh, just a great big home for all different kids, uh, children to be adopted. And our brother was there as well. Of course, we didn't find this out till way, way later, uh, the third, you know, that there was that third child. And he was also adopted, but to a different family. Um, I didn't know that until later as well. I wrote to Angel Guardian Home. Because, uh, again, it was never a secret. And, you know, when you're in foster care, you go back and forth. You go to them for their doctors. You're still under their care, the state care, if you will, uh, while you're in foster care. And it, back then, it took a lot longer. I mean, we were in foster care seven years before they finally made a legal adoption of it. So, um, and we would go back and forth into the city. And according to my parents who raised me, I got to see my mother now and again. Every time she would actually be the ones to take us out on the train, mostly me, and bring me to my family on Long Island that was going to adopt me. So they knew each other a little bit. Nobody ever took a picture of her, so I never got to see anything. Um, but they had told me a little bit about her, and I do remember vague visits back and forth uh, that she could only take me because her apartment was very small. You know, as far as work, the letter said she did different things. Uh, she was a maid in a hotel, uh, things like that. So little things here and there. Um, I never found any any kind of a work record or anything. I've only got one document, and that is her birth announcement. So I know her exact name at birth, you know, her date. Um, and then there's, of course, the license number of it. That's it. After that, the paper trail is gone. And I've been searching for anything on her, and I cannot find a thing. Not even the marriage license. Uh, to my birth father, and he swears they filed it. Now I'm starting to wonder if they did or if they didn't. Um, she met my dad in New York City. He was in the Army from 1962 to 65. His name is Tom. Um, he's still living, I, as I told you. Um, in fact, he's 79. And um, she, he walked into a bar to get a beer before getting back on the train to go back home to Illinois, which is where he was born, as was I. And uh, there she was, all by herself dancing, and it was a lightning bolt, and they got married two weeks later. Ten months later, I was born. Um, this is the history I was told, and now that I've met my dad, he's done a tremendous amount of filling in. But according to him, when I was six months old, she took me, and she left. They were living in Bloomington, Illinois, same place I was born, same place my birth father was born. They got married out there. He knows exactly where it was and the date. And um, six months later with me, after I was born, she left, went back to New York City, and he never saw her again. 
And um, unbeknownst to him at the time, I don't even think she knew, uh, she was pregnant with my sister already. So when we did find him, he didn't even know there was a second daughter. I don't want to go out of order. Um, yeah, well, let's hold, let's stop there for a sec, because before we get in, I yes, want to talk please. about... No, it's okay. I want to talk about your reunion with, with your dad. I think that's really interesting. But I think let's first, let's lay out the info about uh, about your mother. So uh, I think it is important, okay. if you're comfortable sharing it, if you don't mind giving... Um, you don't have to give like the, the license number or whatever, or, but if you want to give her birth date and where she was born... Oh, absolutely. And that's what the trouble with the name is, too. She was born Concettina, a very Italian name, C-O-N-C... E T T I N A, but she never went by that name. So Conchettina can be Conchetta. Um, it stands for Connie. That's where the Connie comes from. It's shortened for that. But in Italian, it's Conchetta. She was actually born Conchettina Greco, G R E C O. I come to find out later that Greco is as popular in that culture as Smith is to us. So <laughs> that's Greco is, I think it would be easy. It's not. So Concertina Greco, born on um, 9-16-45. She just turned 78. Born in New York. I want to say Brooklyn, New York, but definitely New York City. I know her parents' names, which is great. These are things I found out not that long ago. Um, my grandmother was Angelina, who I only found and saw pictures of recently. Born in 1913. And according to what I understand, my mother, my birth mother, never knew her father. His name is Michael Greco. Apparently, she never knew him, and my grandmother did not want to speak about him. This is recent information, by the way. I'll get into that later. Um, she never spoke of him, so it was a bad experience all around, I believe. So we already have a fact that my mother, my birth mother, didn't have her father in her life. I think she was very troubled from that. Um, that leads into different people she hung out with, different things throughout her life. The people I have spoken to always start off with she had a hard life. So I hear that a lot. She struggled, and I think she did get in with wrong crowds. Another thing I think affected her is she, her mother, my grandmother, got remarried. And he came in with three teenage children already. They didn't get along with her. So instead of, you know, my grandmother saying, well, we'll do, you know, she got sent away to a girl's Catholic school. So she finished schooling out of the home because the kids that came into the marriage couldn't get along with her. So, again, troubled, I think, and, you know, feeling unsupported kind of thing by not knowing her father. And then her stepfather, to my understanding, was not very nice. I have a few I have a person that can actually verify that that's still living that he wasn't a very nice person. So I think that she felt outed. And I do think she wandered off at some point. Um, I did find out recently that my grandmother actually had stated that she believed that she was murdered by her boyfriend. And I can tell you more about where that came from when you want to hear about that. Yeah, well, let's, um, let's before we get too far into that, let's just back up a little bit to, um, so you're, it sounds like your your mother, you know, put you and your sister and, and I think your brother you mentioned as well up for adoption because she was. She did. Yeah, having a hard, was it, be, do you know why? Like, what, it was obviously because she was ha- struggling and having a hard time making ends meet yes. or do you know the, okay. I think she absolutely had no parental um, help. I don't think her mother, my grandmother, helped because she had a new family of her own, ended up with two more sons. and So she was over full 
I don't think my mother had anyone to turn to. She had left my birth father, so she was on her own with two children. Uh, I was told that she um, locked us in a room one time, a padlocked room, and just left. I guess she got overwhelmed, and she just took off, and she was gone for 24 hours. And uh, I was two, and my sister was one, and whoever the friend was, I never found out, but came by and, and broke the door down to get us out and took us into a place called New York Foundling, which we spent time in and out of, uh, a big hospital of sorts run by nuns. Um, she reappeared, and they said she was very upset, felt terrible about what she did, and, and, and took me back again, um, and did it again, left again. So I think she panicked. I think she felt unsupported. Um, I think as a younger person, I was angry at her, but I got rid of that a long time ago, because I tried to imagine what it felt like to feel alone and to have kids and not to have support and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's really what happened. She just, she couldn't do it and it got overwhelming and she ended up with another boyfriend. And I think from there, her life went downhill, you know, based on what I do know. Do you remember the last time you saw her? Like, is, is that, or were you too young to remember that? Well, I was definitely too young. I have very vague picture in my mind. I never saw her face in these pictures because I hadn't known back then. Um, just a vague, vague recollection. But honestly, I probably stopped seeing her. I would say, well, they stopped hearing from her in 1972. So I got to think 71 or 72 is the last time I actually saw her when I was only six years old. Yeah. Okay. That's good context. So, but before we get into some other stuff, I want to, I think this part's important because I know there's not a lot of details out there, but what do you know? And I mean, you can, you know, say as much as you've gathered over the years that you've been searching for your mother, like, you know, do you know exactly when she went missing, where the circumstances, can you share as many details that you know as possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have to tell you, I only came into this very, very recently. A lot of people were revealed, cousins, blah, blah, blah. My mother had two half-brothers, my birth mother. I found one of them. The other one was deceased. Um, and based on what they told me, and the one I spoke to was very close with her, her half-brother, but they were very close. Uh, he said, that, and I didn't speak to him directly. I spoke through his daughters because he was sick. He's now passed on as well. So <laughs> he's gone too. But what he did say was that he and my grandmother... That was his mother also, uh, went and looked for her. Uh, she had not been around. They hadn't seen her in a long time. They went looking for her up in Boston, I was told. And they really looked hard for her, and they could not find her. And that my grandmother did state, and I would say this is probably, well, 79 or 80, I'm going to say. 1979 or 80, um, they went looking for her because they hadn't seen her in a long time, I believe. A missing persons was filed, but I could not tell you where. They went looking in Boston, so they must have heard she was there. And strangely enough, my mother who raised me, I actually recall her saying, oh, yeah, the last time they heard from her was in Boston. So it clicked for me, and it said, okay, that's true. She must have headed up that way because she was, they were married in Bloomington, Illinois, my parents. Well, <laughs> Chicago, you know, that's over in the vicinity there, you know? So it made sense to me, Boston, she may be up that way somewhere. So that's the last thing they heard. They never got anything from it. I never saw an actual report, but I was told it was filed. It was at that point that my grandmother stated she thought that she, her boyfriend must have killed her. And she gathered that because my mother must have said some things to her. Um, I have a letter or emails that I received 
uh, in the last two weeks. I found a cousin who actually, my great aunt and uncle are his grandparents. We're second cousins. Well, his grandparents, my great aunt and, and uncle, that's my mother's uncle. He's the only living one left. He's 90. And I recently, and they sent me back and forth the last time they saw her uh, when she first left Illinois, you know, and came back to New York. So they had some details to fill in as well. But nobody had seen her. The last time would have been 1979 or 1980. She disappeared. And the reason they became worried about it, my grandmother died in 1981. And she never came home for her mother's funeral. And that right there said something's not right. So she visited before my grandmother died. That's the best I can figure. Before 81, there is a picture that I have. I don't know if you saw it on that website of her and this man. Um, he was the last one seen with her. And that's the last time her brother ever saw her again. And he said it was the mid-80s, but based on what I can gather, I think he was off on his timing because he was sick. And like I said, he only passed away about a year and a half ago. And I think he, he messed, mixed his dates up a little bit. The picture does not look like it's from the mid-80s. And everyone thinks that if she was able to come home for her mother's funeral, she would have. So, again, these are recently learned facts straight from her uncle's mouth. And this is how I found out. And so I never really realized she was a missing person. I figured she didn't want to be found. She gave up three children and she went on to live her life. I still kept looking and looking in phone books and looking for her name on any chance I could. But I never thought of her, strangely enough, as deceased. And I never thought of her as a missing person. Figured she just disappeared. The missing thing came when I recently got in touch with her uncle. And he's the one who said it. And they all seemed to think that at the time. So that's where we come up with missing. There's no records. There's not even a marriage license. And he knows my dad's actually going to try to get one. But there's no paper trail that anything besides that stupid birth announcement. And it's not a birth certificate. It's just a simple announcement. I guess that's what they did in the 40s. It states her full name, her date of birth, and there's a license number on the bottom. And I, that's how I found out also that there was a twin. Because there's one right under her with the same license number, uh, a brother born on the same day. So she was born a twin. So little things like that I managed to find out along. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. The way about her. You know, usually the people I talk to in these missing persons have, you know, an actual day, date, month, year. Yeah. Uh, so this is unique for me. And I think it sounds like, you know, in terms of people listening, it's fair to say that you've kind of narrowed it down to your mother going missing somewhere around Boston, maybe between 1980-81, or do you think 79 is a possibility? Well, I, I would say Boston may have been one place, but I will also say that when she did come, and this is important, I guess I should have said this, when she did come back to visit her brother that last time, her half-brother, and he took that picture that I was speaking of, he said that she said she was living in Chicago. And that made sense to me. So Boston may have been a place she went at some point, but it made sense to me about Chicago because she married my birth father in Chicago. Not Chicago, Bloomington, Illinois. But Chicago, Illinois, there it's the same state. So she married him there in Bloomington. It wouldn't be a stretch. She probably made a few friends living there. She didn't live there long, maybe nine months. But still, she must have made a few contacts, and it wouldn't be surprising that that's where she was. He said that's the last time he saw her, and that's where she said she was living. After that, no one else saw her again. And I believe that it was before 1981, and this is speculation, but based on everyone else's that I've spoken to within the family that are still here to talk, they don't think she would have met, she would have missed the funeral. In fact, her uncle and my great uncle and aunt, they came up from Florida for the funeral. Uh, in 1981, my grandmother didn't live that long. I think she was 66 or 67. Um, they came up and she wasn't there. And they found that very surprising. So that's when I started to think, okay, I don't know what her relationship was with her mother. But according to everyone else, she wouldn't have missed that. And she did because she couldn't get back here. That's my belief. I could show you the picture. To me, I'm probably just being judgmental. The guy looks shady to me. And my mother doesn't look happy. She's got a straight look on her face. I did put it on the website, and someone colorized it for me, which I thought was really cool. Um, and I can send that to you. That's the last time she was seen. And judging on a few people's comments about the photo, they all seem to think it was 79 or 80, which to me matches up with the clothing, matches up with her showing up to see her brother, even though he was off by a few years, um, which could easily be mistaken. Anybody can make a discrepancy. But that picture, the way it looks to me, looks like it had to be about 1980. And it would not exceed 81 because if she was back that point, she would have come and seen him, visited him, and gone to her own mother's funeral. So that's where we end it. That's what we think. And honestly, and I have no trouble saying this because it's been something that I've kind of known, I do not expect to find a living person. I'm more want to find her final place. If she is alive, it's a miracle. I don't know that she'd go her whole life without trying to contact us. I don't know. It's a lot of speculation on my part. Um, my birth father told me, and I know this is a little out of the subject, that when she they got married, she said to him, oh, we should get married, and then we can go and get my son back. So 
from what I can tell, she was very distraught having to give up my brother Joseph. She was very distraught. He was born in 1964, and she gave him up as a newborn. And strangely enough, she got married, and 11 months after, 14 months after him, I was born. You're talking about three children born in a 25-month period. But she wanted to go back for him, and she told him, we can go back and get him. And then, of course, her stepfather said, he's gone. You couldn't. But to me, she regretted that. I think that that sent her right away down a, a destructive path. She had to give him up. She wanted him back. She never got to see him again. You know, and, and he went, and his identity was revealed when I did my, you know, but it took my whole life to find him. I don't know if I told you that. I know it's off the subject. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this on and off for about 35 years. And sometimes I'd get so frustrated, I'd stop for a year. And then I'd say, okay, I'm doing it again. Once I started with this ancestry, I did my ancestry test. That was the life changer for me. Well, I was going to ask that because I was going to say, it sounds like you've become a bit of a detective and uh, research expert yeah. in genealogy just to trace your family and your roots um, why don't you tell Absolutely. why don't you tell me about that generally and maybe you know finding your brother and then we'll then we'll go into you meeting okay. and talking about your uh, biological okay. father. And I will say that I found my father before my brother, Father Tom, found him in 2006. It was it was unbelievable. I'm a music teacher. I had an adult student. I was teaching. I got to talking because I used to talk about it a lot that I was adopted and I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. And she got to talking with me and she said, oh, I love to do research. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, I've actually got a degree in deep research. And I was like, bingo. And I gave her his name. And within 24 hours, she called me and said, I think I found him, which was unbelievable because I've been doing it for years. Um, <laughs> she found him and it was him. And she didn't tell him anything. And we got hooked up and I asked him three questions when I called him on the phone and he was able to answer all three, my mother's name, my date of birth, the hospital I was born in. And he knew all of it. So that was him. And that was an amazing thing. That was in 2006. I just had turned 40 that year. Um, and we developed a relationship right away. I keep in touch to this day. I'm flying out to Utah in four weeks again. I've been back and forth and he's got three children. So I inherited two sisters and a brother, all younger than me. Um, finding him would would have to be probably the biggest stepping stone to where I am now because his memory is unbelievable. Unbelievable. He remembers the year my grandmother was born. He could tell me, and he can actually, re, you know, strengthen the things that other people said because he remembers things also that they do. He remembers my grandmother the year she was born. I would have never known that. Once I got her name and hooked up the tree, I'm back... <laughs> I'm back like 10 grandmothers on my ancestry tree. It's nuts. So once I got in touch and there were two second cousins on the top of my list, my brother Joseph was on the top of that list. You know, dad came first. We developed the relationship. We know each other 17 years now. And uh, we talk on the phone every week. He's got an unbelievable memory. And he was able to give me names of her brothers and years and things like that. And I remember the first time we spoke, on the phone was about five hours and I was just taking notes. Anything he could tell me, I was writing down. And when I tell you, he remembered the years her half brothers were born, her stepfather's name, it was unreal. So I had a lot to go with from him. But the resources were still, even 17 years ago, 
there wasn't that much of it. You had to do most of your own detective work. So I, I had as much knit together, and he told me the story of how he never saw her again. Um, and he didn't even know we were adopted. He was looking for us, but he was looking for us under our birth names. You know, he didn't know we were adopted. So he was really left out in the cold to not know anything. And the biggest thing, he didn't know that there was another daughter. Because when she left, she was pregnant. Nobody knew. So this way, not only does he find me, he finds out he's got another daughter. So very overwhelming. Um, we all flew out to see him uh, within the first few months of talking to him on the phone. Flew out to Utah to meet him and meet the siblings. And I've been going back and forth a couple times a year ever since. Wow. What an and incredible he, story. Yeah, he, he never heard anything and he never got divorce paper, whatever. Never heard a thing again. He remarried, had three children, you know, and that was it. He went on with his life. And nobody ever heard from her or knew anything about her. He had no wedding pictures. There were no baby pictures. So the most I have is when I'm three. Other than that, there's nothing. There's no infant pictures, no wedding pictures. Um, the biggest break would have come in 2021 when I did the DNA thing. And I got it as a gift and I stuck it in my drawer. I said, yeah, I'll get around to it. You know, I was not in a hurry. I don't know why. Maybe I was afraid. And then finally, I see it in the door one day. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And when I got the results back, that's when, my, like, my entire life changed at that point. Um, all the things that I came to find out, specifically my brother's name, up on the top of the list. And I looked at it, and I thought, who's that? It didn't dawn on me. I just was in such shock. And it came back as the closest relative of them all, if you've ever seen those. They list the closest to the furthest. And his name was on the top. And I was kind of stunned at first. I said, oh, oh my God, Joseph, Joseph. And it dawned on me and uh, research. And I looked up, up on Facebook and stuff like that so I could see what he looked like. And I went through all the stuff and I reached out. Um, and I'm going to shorten that part of it because that's a difficult part. Only because after all this excitement, I had found out that he had passed away about a year and a half before I found his identity. So that was really kind of set me back on my searching. I stopped for a while. Uh, it was very difficult. He died of cancer and he was only 55 years old. Oh. And that was really hard for me. Oh, I'm really um, sorry. On top of that, yeah, that was really a blow for me because I just wanted to find, I, I knew about him. And you know what's funny when you search? I don't know if this goes for everyone. You just never think, well, what if they're not living anymore? You don't think of it. You think you're going to find them? Oh, I've got this. I'm going to find them. You never think, well, wait a minute, what if they're not living? You just think they are. It's the strangest thing. I can't explain it. So it never dawned on me. I figured, oh, well, he's only going to be 50-something. He was, you know, he's still living. And you don't realize, you know, that they're like everybody else, you know. He, nobody knows anything about what's going to happen. So I had found that out, and that was devastating blow for me. The resemblance between us was unbelievable. I was lucky enough to reach out to some of his relatives, and they were they shared a few pictures with me and told me a bit about him. So I was very lucky for that. I have some pictures of him here in my house in a frame, you know. And now I know he I know I know he existed, you know. And it was it was hard for me to find that out, but I had to, you know. And then it was also very difficult when we found out he had been living growing up about forty four miles from where we were growing up. So here we were living forty miles away from each other. You know, a year and a half, it was so close, but it just, you know, it wasn't meant to, it wasn't meant to happen. You know, for whatever reason, I asked myself why for a long time, 
I moved past it because there's no answer to that. It just wasn't meant to happen. My understanding is that he had a great life. He was very loved. He fit in with everybody, that he was the nicest, funniest, all wonderful things about him. He never married, so no children from him. I have none, and my sister Regina has none. So Connie's line, this is another thing that's a big thing for me. Connie's line ends with us. There are no other children. Uh, the letter that I received said, stated that she had had a hysterectomy, excuse me for being personal, she had had a hysterectomy at age 23. So that would have been in 1968. I was born in 66. I don't believe there are any other children after that. So I believe we are the last three. And none of us had children, strangely. You know, there must be something there. Uh, so there's nobody else. She's it. She's the only one. So for me, I'm really looking for closure. Cause, oh, sorry. Because I always was, I've always wanted to find her. I just, I want to know where she ended up. What became of her? I don't think it's good. Um, you know, the murder thing is scary. And as crazy as this might sound, you know, you look a lot younger than me, but I can tell you in the 70s, there were a lot of serial killers in New York City and stuff. So, you know, I'd be like, oh, my God, what if, what if? So a lot of things go through my mind. But the fact that there's no death certificate, believe me, I have searched for anything. There is no paper trail. There is nothing. No marriage certificate. When I know every fact about their marriage, the date, the place, the county, everything. Her name that she used, Connie Johnson was the name she basically used. So she was born Greco. She used that for a while. She didn't know her father. And she eventually went to Johnson. And my father says that's the name she was under when they got married. That sounds like you've you've dug up as much information as possible. And oh, yeah. So Absolutely. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and you sounds like you've hit a bit of a wall. Um, is there something you can, you know, ask the listeners right now if there's, you know, any other research gurus out there? I mean, you sound like a guru yourself, but, you know, is there anything people can do to help to, to find out more information? That's a great question. You, you know what? The truth is I'm looking for those gurus. I was self-taught and I don't know that much, but I started researching and cross-referencing and now I've got a family tree built unbelievably back to the 1700s. And I'm finding out who I am for the first time. I never really realized who I was growing up because we were always outsiders, it felt like. We never quite made that fit into the family. And I was, I'm was i still searching. And now that I found this, I feel like I fit in somewhere. You know, it's a big deal. I'm looking for the gurus for fun that want to help me find any piece of paper on this woman. I'm willing to show the birth announcement. It's really nothing. I want to know why there's no paper trail. Anyone who wants to do their amateur detective work, I would welcome that. And any kinds of groups. I've already done Ancestry, and I uploaded that to some other site. You know, so something like that. And for me, my end game, I want to find out where her final resting place is. I have no expectations of meeting her in person. I, I, I've moved on from that. But I want to know where she ended up and where she is so I can go to that place uh, I need closure for myself. I'm 57 years old, and I never quite got to that point, you know. But now I know more about my family than I've ever known before, and I want to take it all the way, you know. And my birth father, he wants to know, too, where did she go? Where, we just want to know where she ended up, you know. And, and it wasn't being treated as a missing person until I actually heard that no one had seen her. I'll tell you, when I did my ancestry, I said, oh, great. They'll know where my mother is, not realizing nobody knew where she was. 
40 years before I did that stupid test. So it's a long time. And at this point, I don't know if anyone could find her or find about her. But I'm looking for someone to just help. Give me the resource. Tell me what to do. I mean, if I won Lotto, I'd hire a private detective. I just want to know after that, where was she? I don't think she worked on the books much. There's no social security number that I'm familiar with. Um, and anyone who wants to do some amateur sleuthing, I would love to hear it. How to find another piece of paper. I've never researched someone where there's no paper trail like anywhere. At least a death certificate. And for me, if there's no death certificate, that means the death happened under unusual circumstances. Um, because a death certificate is filed when someone dies, someone files it. And the fact that there is nothing for her under all her names, and no matter how hard I try, her name comes up nowhere, um, not even with my grandfather. You know, uh, for, for ages, I thought I was with the wrong grandfather in my family tree because her name's not even mentioned as being her, you know, her, his daughter. So I wonder if this... You know, my grandmother just got rid of all the information. She didn't want anything to do with them. But there is no trail of her anywhere. And that's the part that's hardest for me because I can't trace her to anywhere after that stupid birth and only by the fact that my dad says when he saw her last. And that's it. Nothing else to lead me to the next step. So anyone who knows how to lead to the next step would be great. If you have any information or you think you have the research skills to help Angie, please reach out to me through the Missing and Unexplained Facebook page and I can put you in touch with Angie. You can also get in touch with her directly through her Facebook profile, which I've linked in the description. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show appreciation, you can buy me a coffee at the link in the description. If you want to support the podcast on a monthly basis, you can head to the Patreon. For $5 a month, you can add and sponsor free episodes, exclusive content, and early access to all new episodes of the podcast. If you don't want to spend any money, you can support the podcast by leaving a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this. Also, you can find the Missing and Unexplained podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.